Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Anna. And today we're talking to you about Ambush, the pilot of the Clone Wars series, but it is our ninth episode. Yeah, we're back on track. Yes. Very few out-of-order episodes from here on out. And if you're just watching the Clone Wars for the first time, this is probably what you start with. And it's a very exciting, fun episode. It is, yeah. One of the main questions that I had going into this episode was, why would you make this the pilot episode? Because everything important has to be in this episode. A lot Mm -hmm. of establishing facts, a lot of universe setting. So, yeah. Do you want to dive into the plot? I mean... Yeah, what I find interesting just to talk over that a bit is uh, there's no Obi-Wan, there's no Anakin, there's no Ahsoka, it's it's just the Clone Wars. So what all happens in this one? Okay, so we pick up at the very beginning of the Clone Wars, which isn't really the beginning beginning. We've established a couple of things in this epic battle between the Separatists and the Republic. But we pick up on this episode, Yoda needs to meet with the King Katunko, the king of Toydaria, mm-hmm. to establish a republic base on Toydaria, but they're having their negotiations on this like remote moon. Which is covered in cool coral reef plants and Which stuff. is absolutely gorgeous. Loved the setting of mm-hmm. this episode. It was so colorful and so beautiful. Mm-hmm. But as soon as the episode opens, there's been a trap set mm-hmm. for Master Yoda and the clones that he's with, set by, of course, Count Dooku. And Asajj Ventress. And Asajj Ventress, who is very sultry this mm-hmm. episode. So importantly in this episode, we see these same characters and they are not, they're different voices than they were in the movie. Interesting. It's really hard for me to tell that as a newbie viewer. It's very subtle. I mean, obviously you're supposed to keep that in mind, but um, yeah, this is the later actor for Count Dooku throughout the whole series instead of Christopher Lee. I had no idea. I just thought Asajj sounded a little sexier and Christopher Lee just sounded great. Yeah, I, I did remark when we watched The Clone Wars that she sounded darker and meaner. Mm-hmm. And I always remembered her actually sounding sexy. So. Very sexy, very sultry. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of into it. <laughs> we'll talk about that at a later date, maybe. But anyway, Count Dooku and Asajj have set a trap for Yoda. They're trying to bar him from getting to the King of Toydaria. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, they're setting up this challenge, which is that Yoda and the Republic are weak and the Separatists are strong. Yeah, so... Yoda flies in and is about to get shot down and they have they're going to have to retreat so Yoda pops into an escape pod with three clones they jettison all the escape pods which is very reminiscent of episode 4 it is ha, good ha, catch. ha 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 <laughs> i am the star wars master and then they land and they phone king katunko and yoda is irate that Dooku was invited. Is he irate? I don't think that's the descriptor that I would use. Yeah, that's, that is the wrong he word. He's mildly inconvenienced, but mm-hmm. not at all upset about it. He is wry throughout this episode. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about Yoda for sure. But Yoda calls Katunko. Dooku and Asajj are kind of making fun of him. They're like, oh, you're having a little bit of trouble. Uh, we're not. We're over here. We're about to make this negotiation happen with King mm-hmm. Katuko. And Yoda is basically like, ah, oh, you know, you'll throw the gauntlet down and I accept your challenge. I will be there by nightfall. Yeah, King Katunko was like, this is BS. You can't let... Uh... You can't just shoot someone down and say, we'll send an army after you. And Yoda's like, I accept. We'll do it. I'll King Katunko is showing his 
upstanding moral code that we've seen in the last episode. Really just a complete 180 from Watto. Just what was Watto like dropped on his head as a baby? Like was Watto like some derelict exile? Maybe that's why he wasn't allowed on Tordaria. Seriously, the Tordarians are great. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Yoda has three clones. Their names are Reese, Jack, and Thyre. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's what he got. Plenty. And a, you know, big dick attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Two feet's all you need. Two feet of Yoda. The green meanie himself shows up. This is this is a Yoda showcase episode, and it is a lot of fun. It's so great. So Yoda and the clones, the clones are like, wow, this is looking real dicey. And Yoda's like, ah, oh, you know, this is fine. Yoda wants to set off One Direction. The clones are like, ah, oh, the enemy's... The meeting point is that way. The meeting point is that way. And Yoda drops his first hashtag Yoda fact of the episode (laughs) to reach our goal, a straight path we will not follow. And then he's like, hurry up, guys. And he's wandering off at like literally a toddler's pace. And the clones are like, all right, whatever. Oh, it's so wonderful. They go into battle against some droids that kind Mm -hmm. of come to get them on Asajj's orders. Yeah, well, they sent tanks after him, and the tanks start shooting wildly, and then one of the tanks tries to drive through the coral reef and cannot, and there's a bunch of very funny banter between all these stupid droids. It is really delightful. I found myself wondering, do we hear the battle droids talking in episodes one and two? No. Well, a little bit. Maybe a little bit. I I feel like the voice was familiar, but their general incompetence was not. So it's really fun to watch them just like bumbling over each other and being like, ah, I just got promoted. It's my programming when when he he fires and misses. Yeah. It's really fun. Yeah. To watch them just be generally inept. Inept. That is the word. So the Yoda and the clones are split up, separated, and the clones set up a Nice ambush and take out their platoon of infantry droids after them. And then Yoda takes out an entire battalion without using his lightsaber. Yeah, so a bunch of B2 uh, battle droids, the big scary ones, come by and the clones are pinned down. Yoda catches up with them. He picks one of the droids up. He's sitting there meditating and they're like, what do we do? Just keep blasting. Yoda turns, picks one of them up turns him around and makes this B2 shoot all his friends. Oh, it's so delightful. It's so great. We're going to also have to talk about that. Because they have big, deep voices. I'm having a major malfunction. Die, Republic dogs. Mm-hmm. And then Yoda does a Yoda giggle. Yes. And murders them. Yeah. So then... So things are looking good until mm-hmm. Asajj decides to let the droids deploy their heavy artillery mm-hmm. against Yoda and Reese, Jack, and thrice, which is bad news bears. Yoda is not happy about these odds. So they kind of go off into a cave to plan. And we have the emotional high point of the episode, which is also where I started sobbing uncontrollably. So where is this on the cryometer? This one is just behind clone cadets. I think it's a solid number two. Wow. You will you watch this with me the first time. Mm-hmm. I cried into your shoulder for a good 10 minutes. You did. So that's there a, was snot running down my face. That's a, that's a 10. So the moment is Yoda leads them up to a cave and he uses his lightsaber to chop a laser rifle in half to turn it into a crutch for 
Thyre, who has been hurt. Yeah, I would say it begins when Thyre gets hurt and Yoda says, leave no clone behind, which made my little heart go pitter-patter. Mm-hmm. It is just an extremely valid judgment on the value of the life of a clone. Mm-hmm. It continues when Yoda gives the best piece of advice I've ever gotten from a cartoon. All around us is that which we need to prevail. Mm -hmm. I mean, is there anything I've needed to hear more in my life than everything that you have around you is what you need to prevail? Yeah, because the clones are sitting there and they're like, you know, there's just three of us. They have an entire battalion. What are we going to do? And they say... General, you should leave us behind to die, basically, Mm -hmm. because your mission is critical and we'll sacrifice ourselves. We're not worth keeping up with. Mm -hmm. (sighs) And then Yoda says, take off your helmets. I want to see your faces. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. It's a it's a very touching moment. And I think we should circle back to that part in a bit because it is the introduction of some clones. Okay, we'll definitely do that. So then a column of tanks shows up and Yoda tells the clones to, you know, act when they feel ready. And then he yeets himself off the cliff. He does. And he has this amazing strategy, which is basically to use the mindlessness of the droid army against them. Yeah, he is sitting there and... The droids call in and they're like, hey, we think we found this Jedi. And Asajj like, shoot him, shoot him now. And they take too long. So Yoda uh, humorously and horrifyingly completely disassembles a tank. Oh, column it's by phenomenal. Himself. He like slashes into one of the tanks and like then disables all of them. It doesn't break a sweat. Mm-hmm. He's just like a little tennis ball bouncing around. He is. Pieces of droids are like flying up a half mile in the air. He's sucking them back into the tanks. The tanks are shooting at each other and his, you know. He's just a little chaos gremlin, basically. He, he is. He's causing all sorts of trouble. But then, but then the anti-Jedi toy, those big rolly droidicas show up in force. Yeah, well, Asajj gets really mad that Yoda's making her look bad, which we'll talk about this. Understandable. She sends in a bunch of droidicas and the lieutenant clone uses the lesson that Yoda gave him earlier in the episode I think it's Jack. He uses one shot to drop the cliff side on the droidicas. Crunching all of them. Crunching all of them like Rice Krispies, Snap Crackle Pop. Mm-hmm. And then they get to walk up to King Katunko. So right as this is happening, King Katunko is saying, I think that although earlier I said that a, a Jedi is worth 100 battle droids, I think now a Jedi is worth 1,000 battle droids. And Ooh, Dooku it's so is very good. angry. And Dooku says, perhaps I'll have a better time negotiating with your successor. Kill him. And then Asajj holds her double lightsabers up to King Katuko's neck. And then Yoda saves his life. Well, she was swinging and Yoda stopped her. Yeah. Yoda proceeds to take Asajj Ventress completely apart. He, He takes her lightsabers away. He throws her across the room, dresses her down, says, you know, you should surrender. And then she pulls the only trick which actually works on Yoda, which is you Dropping collapse. a plot device. You have to drop a plot, device, a plot on, device on civilians nearby. Because if it's just you drop something on Yoda, he's going to keep fighting. You have to drop it on Yoda's friends. And then he has to stop and stop the plot device I from do dropping. feel a little bad. It was almost a little infantilizing where he was like, no, 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 no. You don't get to hold these lightsabers anymore. Well, yes and no. 
the relationship he has is explored here where he says my fallen apprentice to Dooku over the the hollow and looking at Asajj it's his little grand padawan you know oh god I never thought about it like that and she's like oh man and she's trying real hard and she just she just is no match for Yoda although he does admit strong you are in the dark side young one but much to learn you have but he does say and I remember the very first time I watched this episode I remember thinking wow Asajj is kind of scary Mm -hmm. I don't remember why it's a really quick interaction the the next thing that happens is also really important because uh, the first time I watched this I was really surprised King Katunko busts out his saber brandishes it yeah he's Yoda says, okay, now can we begin the negotiations? Mm-hmm. And King Katuko says, oh, there's no need for that, my friend. And it's really threatening for a second. Mm-hmm. He pulls out his curved short sword. Yeah. And things look like it's going to go really badly for a second there. And then he's basically like, I trust you implicitly. I would be happy for Tordaria to host a Republic base. And flips his sword around and presents it to Yoda. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah, they all fly off on gunships. So, And I wrote in my notes in all capitals, that period was period amazing, period. <laughs> yeah, this is a really, really fun episode. Where do you want to start talking about it? She pulled back through her notes. Oh my gosh, I have so much that I want to talk about. I think I want to talk about why the showrunners made this the first episode of the Clone Wars animated series. That is a good place to start. I feel like that's the place to start. Yeah. I feel like the place to start is that this episode establishes so much in 22 minutes. Mm -hmm. First of all, you're establishing the animation style. We have talked about this already because we're watching in universe order. Mm -hmm. But if you sat down in front of, I don't know, Nickelodeon or whatever one day, I don't know where this played. It was on Cartoon Network. If you sat down in front of Cartoon Network one day and you were like, oh my gosh, there's a new show coming out, this would be maybe your first exposure to Mm -hmm. the Clone Wars animation style. Yeah, and then you get to see Yoda, who was, yeah, the first time you see Yoda, you see him as a little Muppet in Episode 5, and then an even smaller, older Muppet in Episode 6, and then you see him in Episode 2 fighting Dooku, and Mm -hmm. he's a full-on little insanity lizard. Mm -hmm. And this is full-on insanity (laughs) lizard Yoda, and it's very appealing, because you get to see a master in action. You get to see a master in action who is also lighthearted, clever, competent, composed. He's got this delightful giggle that I literally do not remember hearing anywhere else. Uh, it's the Yoda giggle from when he's on Dagobah. And he's like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come here, good food. Except it's better. Yes. It's more spirited. Although it's also a little bit darker because he laughs when he jumps on top of the head of a droid and then he's waiting for the droids to all shoot each other. Yeah, yeah. The Yoda energy is a little chaotic. Yeah. It's fun. I think it it goes back to something we've talked a little bit about in episode two, which is, you know, in no way do I believe that this is Yoda's first war. Hmm. He's an old creature, Hmm. an old Yoda creature. And I don't know Yoda's gender, but um, he's an old little creature and he is good at war. He's very good at war, and in episode two, especially, you see him like moving around and mm-hmm. like this is good, this is bad. Aim yeah, for this doing spot. the tactics. 
And then he comes into this and it's the same little Yoda. He's wandering around. He's just inching himself along with a cane until it's time to fight. And I wonder how much that takes out of him. And I wonder how much of it is like almost a reliving his glory days if he had glory days oh, as such or if it's just the way his species operates they're like you know very slow until they're very fast i get the feeling that this is very much second nature for yoda this is how he is he is he takes his time when he has the time mm -hmm. and when he doesn't have the time he makes the time he and meditates he, just like qui-gon did in episode one and he has no doubt whatsoever the whole time yeah he's is, he is completely doubt free i feel once again, very safe when Yoda's on screen. Yeah. I mean, as you were saying, when the clones are like, hey, leave us behind, he's just like, no. He's like, like no, that's not even an option to me. And there's really no need for that at yeah. all. He's, he's there's like no need to go this way. There's no need to be afraid. There's even an incredible moment. And this is kind of getting into another topic that I want to talk mm -hmm. about. But he, the King Katunko calls him up and says, it sounds like you're having a little bit of trouble with these separatist forces. And Yoda says, I know nothing of trouble. Looking forward to meeting you soon. Uh, just to put this in perspective, he's riding on the back of a clone, like he with really his lightsaber did. out during this conversation, <laughs> like deflecting blaster bolts. He's like, this isn't trouble. I always ride on the backs of people defecting blaster bolts. Oh, this it's is, how, so this is my third favorite way of getting around. It's so wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of establishment of the tone of at least the early portions of the Clone Wars. It's lighthearted. It's lighthearted. The stakes are high, but it's lighthearted. Mm -hmm. The score is really good. It's almost like a mix of Survivor and Lord of the Rings. Did you pick up on that? No. Okay, do you remember like the the tribe has spoken, like the Survivor soundtrack when they're like sitting at tribal council? Gonna have to take your word on that. Survivor was really popular in 2008, and I feel like there was some kind of influence there. Okay. And then there's some Lord of the Rings, very like majestic, epic fantasy mm -hmm. strings in the background. Yeah. It was really good. I'm going to have to look up who does the score for all of these and send them like a cookie or something. <laughs> they do such a good job. Okay. Anyway, coloring is amazing. The purples and greens and oranges. Yeah. I really love the terrain on this nameless moon mm -hmm. because uh, it's like a no man's sky planet. It's very cool with like being, uh, there's, there's brain corals, there's big branching corals. and Yeah. Like, like an ocean that got all them. the water sucked off of mm -hmm. it. It's a, it's a cool place. It's beautiful. Actually, it brings me to something that Yoda says at the very beginning. Beautiful this moon is. Hmm? He does a little Yoda. Hmm? Amazing the universe is. And I think that's a secondary fortune cookie for the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. Right? Beautiful this is. And he's talking about the episode. I think he's talking about the Clone Wars as a series. Like, I, it, I almost feel like the showrunners are breaking the fourth wall. And saying beautiful the Star Wars universe is, like beautiful and amazing it is. Mm -hmm. And we are about to dive into so much more than we've ever seen. I like that take. That's very cool. Thank you. I also want to talk about Yoda. We're we not been talking about I have Yoda. A, well, I have a little bit more about Yoda. Keep talking about Yoda. Okay, first of all, the hashtag Yoda facts. The Yoda facts are so good. Would you like me to read some to you? Please do. Okay, one of the Yoda facts that I loved. Size is not everything. Mm -hmm. 
smaller we are in numbers, but larger in mind. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, I, I love it when uh, they're they're hiding out and the tanks are trying to drive through and the tanks can't get through. And the clones are like, oh, they can't get through. They're too big. And Yoda's like, size matters not. (laughs) (laughs) After they've been making fun of him for being so tiny. Yeah, it's so shady and great. Yes, that is funny. Obviously, when he says, leave no clone behind, Mm -hmm. phenomenal. Obviously, all around us is that which we need to prevail. Mm Mm-hmm. When he personalizes the clones. Yeah. Very different are you in the force. I think that's mm-hmm. a really cool way to look at the clones. And I think that's a really important distinction and perhaps why clones and Jedi work so well together. Hmm. Which is also a dark side of it mm. in that the Jedi definitely feel each individual clone death. Okay, because we have talked about this a little bit in previous episodes, and Mm -hmm. we've kind of talked about clone death, and we've kind of talked about the value of a clone life. Right. And so seeing each clone individually and not them as material to be spent in a war Mm -hmm. clouds what the Jedi can see. It's talked a little bit in the High Republic books. Oh, interesting. And a little bit in the Clone Wars movie. Yes, of how... If you have a Jedi and they're, you know, alone, they're living a hermit lifestyle or something, or just a rarefied lifestyle, Mm -hmm. they're able to really perceive a huge amount of the universe. Yeah, we see Yoda sometimes kind of floating in the Jedi High Council room. Yeah, just in the zone. Just meditating and feeling Mm -hmm. what's happening across the galaxy. But then also in episode two, Mace Windu says our ability to see the future has been clouded. Mm. And so... Why Why is that? It's because all of the Jedi are spending all this time with all these people who are designed to die. Oh, wow. And so every single relationship they have is one that is filling the force energy they feel with conflict. It's almost like the clones... Okay, well, obviously the clones were created to be of service to the mm-hmm. Republic, ostensibly thank you ostensibly so they would be of greater service to the jedi if they were nameless faceless if they never took off their helmets if they never had personalities and names and differentiation and yet yoda's first reaction Mm -hmm. is to say take off your helmets i want to see your faces Mm -hmm. and then he calls them out by name he says jack this is what you need to do to be successful Reese, this is what you need to do. And he gives some really compelling advice. Really compelling and actionable advice. Yeah. Which Jack immediately uses to bring down the cliffside on the droids. Because Yoda tells him, your mind is a powerful weapon. You don't need weapons. You need your mind. Mm -hmm. And he uses his brain. He has one shot. And he uses it to bring down the cliffside. And they win. Exactly. So that's a... Yeah, the relationship between the clones and the Jedi in that perspective is something which, to my knowledge, isn't deeply explored in the Clone Wars. But Mm. the whole tenor of it is darkened by that, particularly because of the relationships we'll see in terms of connection. The Jedi who are living up to the Jedi Code more, which would be, uh, for example, Luminara, who we'll see relatively shortly, Hmm. are willing to let things go and willing to expend clone lives because the the Jedi Code is uh, to practice Mm non-attachment. But how can you not be attached to your battle brothers? Absolutely. I'm really glad you brought that up, actually, because my 
knee-jerk reaction is to cheer when Yoda does something or anybody does something to humanize the clones. Mm -hmm. But this adds a really important layer of nuance onto it, which is in the grand utilitarian scheme of things, this may not be a smart strategy if it clouds the force. Yeah. Well, it depends on who's trying, who's setting it up and what they're doing it for. Yeah, yeah. I have one last Yoda fact that he says. Please do. Um, the clones are like, oh no, we're outnumbered. And Yoda says, have you three I do? Outnumbered are they? Yeah. <laughs> Which is a callback to the Clone Wars movie when Rex says that we've got you outnumbered. And the droids start counting. And, oh my gosh, yeah. And, and Obi-Wan swoops in. Mm-hmm. One Jedi is yeah. indeed worth a thousand battle droids. Yeah, exactly. So cool. It's so great. Now, something I would love to explore is the relationship of Dooku and Asajj. Yeah, let's talk about it. So, in the Clone Wars movie, Asajj has failed. Like, yeah. And that was recently, recently. Recently, recently. Like, yesterday? Yeah. Six hours ago? Maybe, maybe longer than that, but within the last small period of time. Mm-hmm. And so, if... She failed against Anakin, and she failed handily against Anakin's former master, Obi-Wan, and Dooku was there. Dooku failed against Anakin, and they're like, okay, well, let's go against Yoda, who is well-known to be an absolute demonstrable... Well, Dooku trained under him. Dooku knows this. Dooku knows how good Yoda is, and he sends Asajj Ventress there. Do you think he was maybe setting her up to fail? I think he was perhaps shielding himself from failure. Mm, he didn't want to fail against Yoda. Yeah. Oh, it would be humiliating for him. Absolutely. Wow. Because what I understand of the dark side, and I don't understand a lot. Which is good. Thank you. I, I Thank you. <laughs> we'll see where I end up. <laughs> I may end up being a Sith apologist. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. What I understand of the dark side currently is that folks who join the dark side are lured by its superior power. Mm-hmm. So it would be perhaps an existential threat to Dooku's understanding of reality to once again fail against Yoda. For sure. It would be him also, I mean, he is acting out of fear. Yeah. And if that's the case, and and Yoda is not acting out of fear. And so Asajj is acting out of fear. Oh, of course. So the first time I saw this and Yoda is... uh, parked he eats himself down the uh, canyon and he, he gets surrounded by tanks and droids the droids call in and they say asajj we've got him and she says shoot him shoot him and now her eyes go all wide and she's really frantic so is she murderous or is she afraid i think on this watch through i saw her as terrified yes because, yeah i think you're right because this is her only chance to actually take out yoda and she knows it i mean what is the classic Yoda phrase, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Asajj is terrified. Mm -hmm. And fear makes people do all kinds of crazy things. Mm -hmm. And that is what led for the chaos situation for Yoda to perfectly exploit and blenderize his way through a bunch of droids. It's kind of also rubbing salt in the wound. Yoda's like, failed you again, she has. I mean... Asajj knows this. Dooku knows this. Mm-hmm. It it kind of hurts. Like, it smarts that Yoda's also pointing this out. And he let her live. Of course he did. Uh, is it of course? Like, if she is a major threat in the Force, if she is a major threat to 
the war. Wouldn't the utilitarian view to be like, Yoda is there. Yoda should take out the enemies in front of him. I think Yoda sees Asajj as such a trivial threat that he doesn't even think that it's worth killing her. Which is fascinating because she's she's not a trivial she's threat. She's not. She's not. I remember thinking how scary she was. But when you consider Yoda's knowledge of tactics and strategy, mm-hmm. there must be a reason, unless it's just a plot reason, that he keeps her alive. And it, it's that line of, is this genius or are we filling something in his fan theory? For sure. But if it is genius, then perhaps an element of it is Yoda is humiliating Dooku and humiliating Ventress to try mm. to help them reach their emotional fear-based bottom sooner. Mm. Because similar to what Mace Windu said about Dooku in episode two, that Count Dooku would never resort to assassination. He has an assassin for that. That's what Asajj Ventress Mm -hmm, is for. mm -hmm. And so perhaps Yoda is trying to show them that there is a path forward that isn't the one they're taking. Would Yoda accept them if they turned their backs on the dark side? See, isn't that an interesting question? Yoda is... The character of Yoda takes on significant complexity in this episode. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. We see a lot of other Jedi and their clones get along very well. But this is the first time we really see Yoda be extremely kind to them mm. in that perspective. And we saw this with Shakti in mm-hmm, Clone Cadets. Mm-hmm. But that is her job in that context. Whereas this is not necessarily Yoda's job. And his breadth and depth of character still leaves a lot to be explored. Particularly because he's you know famously old. There's such wisdom there. There is wisdom. I learned recently that tactics and strategy are different. Strategy is the long-term shaping of war. Mm -hmm. Tactics is the on the ground, gaining the high ground or, you know, doing this maneuver. Mm -hmm. I think we have seen Yoda be very good at tactics and we are yet to see him be exceptional at strategy, but I feel like it's coming. Perhaps. Strategy is a very difficult thing to be consumed through media Hmm. as an understanding because it's so multivariate and it's so broad spectrum. But we have seven seasons of The Clone Wars to go. We absolutely do. The other thing is that a well-executed strategy is undramatic. Ooh. Is that your Yoda facts? Is that (laughs) your Sam facts? That's that's me uh, going against... um, Gosh, who would it be? Donald Rumsfeld and uh, Norman Schwarzkopf in the first and second, depending on how you're counting, Gulf Wars of saying they're, they're going for shock and awe or blitzkrieg. Like those are show up fast, show up firstest with the mostest, as Bedford Forrest would say mm-hmm. from the Confederate Army. Mm-hmm. That's dramatic, but that's tactics. And the actual strategy requires changing the hearts and minds of who you're working with, which is, in a way, what Yoda did in this episode. Very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where we're going to go with the war. I never thought that I would say that, but... <laughs> yeah, that, that is a really big change for you. Because is. this isn't the... I know, so to put this in a little bit of perspective, because we're just doing ambush in this episode, and then we're going to try to get in a more arc format. Mm-hmm. So next episode, we're talking about the whole Malevolence arc. Yeah, ambush as a pilot seemed like it deserved a fair bit of focus attention and then we'll be squishing three episodes into one arc moving forward as much as we can but what i'd like to 
share is that Anna watched a season and a half of Clone Wars. Yeah, that's it. Before and so that was a while ago, uh, before we started this project, and on the first watch through, there were definitely episodes that you liked and didn't like, and I think that what you like and didn't like has really drastically shifted as we've taken a critical lens to it. Oh. Do you think so? I think the core things that really get me going will be the same. It's Mm -hmm. always going to be those emotional peaks and the humanizing moments and the beautiful aesthetics. But yeah, I didn't think that I was going to be excited about strategy Mm. wartime strategy but now i know more about yoda and now i know more about obi-wan and i get to see them as people making decisions and it feels more personal and so there's something for me to grab onto that's not just as slippery and cold and distant as a war yeah yeah, and that's what really sells the whole TV series. In my yeah, mind. this war is made up of individuals that we care about. And also, each single episode of this carries one tiny nugget of the whole story, which, big picture, rehabilitated the entire prequels to make them really high-quality drama. Absolutely. It gave them focus and purpose and forward momentum. And it filled in all the cracks. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe we didn't talk about the fortune cookie for this episode. What's the fortune cookie? Great leaders inspire greatness in others. So there you go. There you go. That's what Yoda did. Yeah. So there's uh, not many characters here in this episode. What are there? Five named characters. Yikes. Deku appearing in a hologram. And uh, There's two a couple Toydarians floating around. There's uh, droid number 224. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, interesting note, I... I, I Picked up on this in this watch through, uh, Asajj is like two two four. You're not two two four. We're in a different part. Picks up. Hilarious that she knows that it's not two two four. Yeah. Uh, to the listener, two two four has been reduced into sixty four different pieces by that point. But <laughs> so great. By a tiny green blender <laughs> <laughs> made of lasers and giggles. <laughs> you don't get to see Yoda in action that often. This is a treat. This is a treat. Oh my god! It's the and best I think, thing I've heard all day. <laughs> this is a this is a great episode to start on. Mm-hmm. And so, are you trying to kind of subtly ask me who my bay is? I am. Are you saying it's that time? It's that time. It's time for Baywatch. It's time for Baywatch. It's time for Baywatch. Yeah, I don't know who my bae is. You go first. Me? You go first. Hmm. I'm split here. I went first. Well, I went first last. I'm going to go with Asajj. What? Yeah, I know. You cannot pick the antagonist every episode. I don't pick the antagonist every episode. You picked Admiral Trench. I picked Jar Jar. Yeah. Jar Jar can be an antagonist as well. Especially because you subscribe to the Church of Darth Jar Jar. It's not a church. It's a cult. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, okay, so here's why. She's in an impossible position, and she knows it's impossible. And she still tries really hard the entire time. She follows direction. She's confident. She's doing the, all the right things. And when it fails, she has an exit strategy. 
she's playing a different game than everyone else. Mm. She knows she's been set up to, otherwise why would she set up her, you know, plot device to blow up up on the hillside to stop everything? Like that's a, having a backup plan for an assassination, which may or may not happen is a particularly interesting conniving move. It's very Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. Prepare for everything so that you're surprised by nothing. Exactly. She's um, not surprised by this. When Yoda takes away her lightsabers and tells no, no, her to no. go back to bed and she's not getting any di- and not getting any dinner. She, no dessert for a week. Go to your room. Yeah, she's not scared. She's not surprised. She's disappointed. And she has an exit strategy. Mm. She's like mad as hornets, but yeah, she yeah, gets yeah, out yeah. of there. Yeah, because she is embodying what it is like to be a Sith, which a, a young Sith, a Sith acolyte, not like oh, I'm following the Sith code, for what it's worth. What she's doing is she's surviving long enough to learn the lessons that her master wants to teach her and the ones that her master doesn't want to teach her. Hmm. Her only play that she needs to make is survival. Because if she goes out of her way and she dies for a cause, that's a failure. For her. So that's really interesting because yet another one of the Yoda facts of this episode was to win the war, you have to survive. Uh, Yoda said that to Thyre. Yeah. Long is the war. Mm-hmm. Because Thyre is the one who got injured by being brave and was mm-hmm. super brave. Just there, and Yoda's like, cut that out. So, yeah, we're seeing Asajj totally embody that. That is so fascinating. Yeah. I thought it was interesting this time around seeing her... Because she is a somewhat relatable character, all things considered. I mean, we see her in action more than we see Yoda in action. Yeah, she's relatable. She definitely gets my sympathy. Yeah. She she evokes pity. That doesn't make her bay material in my books, but it makes her really interesting. Yeah. I have two bays, and I can't decide. There's seven people in this I whole episode. Know. And I already picked one. If... of your characters are not Bay-worthy. You're not writing right. Okay. Well, thanks, David Filoni, for that. Thanks, Dave Filoni. Oh, my fave. I don't even know what he looks like, but I love him. (laughs) Anyway, King Katunko is in the running because because King Katunko has a really clear code of ethics that he follows. He's willing to consider all of the options yeah. And then make a decision that feels right to him and then have faith in it. He I've, picked the Republic but, and then patiently waited for the Separatists to prove him right. Yeah. That's a really good take. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. King Katuko is a really stand-up character. I have really enjoyed watching him. And I don't know if we're ever going to see him again. Probably not. We saw him in Supply Lines, the previous episode, and he was a great. similar he was character. Great. Because he yeah. was... I mean, he was saying one thing and doing another in that capacity. But it's what he believed in. Yeah. And he was he doing, was the, right doing thing. the right thing politically and morally. Interesting. Which is fabulous. That's so, ha- yeah, King Katunko's in the running. He has a really dodgy mustache, though. You know, you just can't hold bad mustaches against people. I mean, yeah. I can. You can't. <laughs> You're the owner of a mustache. You have no room to judge. I have a good mustache, though. It's pretty good. Thank you. Yoda is also in the running. Because if you're going to pick every antagonist, I'm going to pick every protagonist. Fair enough. But I think it's King Katunko. I feel like Yoda will have more time in the sun. Yeah. So I'm going to say it's King Katunko. He's my bae. Very interesting. 
I like it. Thank you. I like you. it a lot. That, Thank you. I feel like I have good taste. As a curveball. I... <laughs> Warning, spoiler alert, Dark Horse Bay over here. Yeah, well, we've got the uh, the Baywatch best of list. And... We do. We have started a page on our website where mm-hmm. we are keeping track of all of the bays as well as our cryometer, mm-hmm. which now has two episodes on it. <laughs> And I believe this puts King Katunko above Anakin Skywalker? Anakin has not yet been named wow. Bay, and I would be shocked if he ever was. Wow. <laughs> he's all, to be fair, he's in the running with Admiral Trench, Spark. <laughs> so it's it's not exactly an elite grouping yet, but it will be one day. It's it's not at this point statistically significant. One day we're gonna name the greatest bay of all time the GBOT. <laughs> Today is not that day. So definitely join us next week to figure out what's going on in the Malevolence arc, which is one of my favorites. Yeah, so we're going to be watching seasons one, episodes two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. They all line up together. They're distinctly different plots, but they all cover one major arc, and this is what we're aiming to do for you guys. What are you looking forward to out of the Malevolence arc? Oh, man, there's good stuff. We get uh, great Grievous action. Mm, ooh, that's exciting. We start on a really important journey of disliking Ahsoka as an audience. Oh, man. Yeah, because Ahsoka has to start out annoying before she becomes really cool. I mean, don't we all? I was annoying. Yeah, no, I mean, so was I. I'm still annoying. Oh, you're still lovable, though. Yeah. You can be lovable and annoying, and so can Ahsoka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there is some fantastic Obi-Wan, Anakin banter moments, some cool flying. Ooh, excellent. Yeah, there's uh, some Plo Koon moments, which are Oh fun. my god, I forgot about Plo Koon. Yeah, so it's, there's, we're going to be covering a lot of ground. I'm so. very excited to say hi to Plo Koon. So stay tuned next week. That's going to be a ton of fun. All right, everybody. As always, you can find us on social media at Growing Up Skywalker. That's Instagram and Facebook. You can also find us on our website where you should definitely go check out the Bay rankings and the cryometer, which is growingupskywalker.com. And if you have any questions or want to tell us about your particular Bay or any Bayesian analysis you want to do, you can send us a listener holocron at growingupskywalker at gmail.com. And we really hope you will. We know a lot of you are really enjoying the Baywatch segments. So if we missed your bay, let us know. Yeah. Send us an email. Send us a holocron. This one's for all the King Katunko fans out there. Join me. (laughs) Loving on OG Bay King Katunko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so please share the podcast with the other OG Bay King Katinko fans out there. It's, it's very important. You, you're, you need a voice too. You are the minority and your voice matters. If you are the King Katinko fan in your life, stand up. You are correct. <laughs> and tune in next Tuesday and we will talk at you on social. All right, have a good one, everyone. Bye.